Hey guys, jumping in real quick to tell you about the sponsor for this week, the Satchel Podcast Player. Ever wonder who's podcasting in your hometown? The Satchel Podcast Player lets you listen local by finding content created for and around your home area. Not only that, but you can support your local podcast community and this one as well by donating directly in the podcast player itself. Like right now, if you like this podcast, you want to continue to see it to grow and thrive, you can help support it by clicking that donate button and sending us a few dollars. Like, I don't know, $1, $5, $10, however much you feel like we're worth, you can do that directly in the Satchel Podcast Player. It's a great podcast player currently in beta. You can find it for both iPhone and Android at satchelplayer.com. Accelerating your fandom. This is Flash TV Talk. Welcome to Flash TV Talk, the fan podcast dedicated to news, reviews, and more for the hit CW show, The Flash. I'm Bo. And I'm Bell. Bell, man, how you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, this is a really fun one, guys. Look, for anybody that's been listening to this podcast for any stretch of time, you know that we are huge fans of one character on the show in particular. And no, I'm not talking about The Flash, nor necessarily am I talking about any of the other heroic characters. I'm talking about the villainous Gorilla Grodd. Oh, yes, the greatest of all the Flash's villains. I, I mean, arguably, right? Gorilla Grodd always kind of a, a top tier when it comes down to the Rogue's Rumble. Uh, but guys, I am thrilled to say that today we actually have a special guest. David Sobolov is joining us to talk about the character of Gorilla Grodd. Now, David Sobolov is the uh, the voice actor who actually portrays Gorilla Grodd. You know, it's really great. We get into it. We talk a little bit about uh, the character from its inception, how it differentiates a little bit from the source material, and it's, and also is spiritually true to what's come before at the same time. You know, David has got a very rich career behind him as well. He's currently Drax the Destroyer on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy animated series. He's been in several Transformers uh, series and including one of my favorite cartoons of all time, Beast Wars. We even talk a little bit about that for a, for a brief moment because y'all, you know, you got to let me do it. Anytime we get some Beast Wars folks on, I, I got to geek out a little bit because uh, that was my jam back in the day. And if you guys play Star Wars Battlefront, which I know some of you do, uh, the Duros uh, skin for the game, he actually uh, voices that character as well. So like every time I, I, I love <laughs> I love doing the emotes with the characters on Battlefront because, you know, it's the, it's these English lines, but they like, you know, translate them into the dialects. And it's just it's 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 a great it's great just to listen to the Duras say the voice lines in that game, and it's and it's wonderful. And, and David does an excellent job with it. So next time you play Star Wars Battlefront, if you don't have the Duras skin, get it because it's awesome. So a little bit of Guardian, Star Trek, Transformers, a lot of the Flash, a lot of Gorilla Grodd. Guys, you're gonna love this interview. So let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right on into it with David Sobolov. Guys, we are really stoked to have a special guest. I mean, I, I think, Bell, uh, you can kind of confirm here. In terms of the the villains, the rogues that we could possibly be talking to, there is none that we would be more excited about uh, than the Gorilla Grodd himself. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us here on the podcast on Flash TV Talk tonight, we've got David Sabalov, the voice of Gorilla Grodd. Hello. Man, that deep voice. That's beautiful, man. <laughs> So were you were you a baritone since like the age of five or anything like that? Well, no, actually, uh, my voice dropped very quickly and very late. I was probably 13 and a half and it went from super high to super low. <laughs> I think I'm still like a tenor. Like back in the day, I could do uh, I was a tenor and sometimes an alto. <laughs> now I can uh, I can with a have got a bass with a prayer, but uh, but my baritone is it's it's pushing it, man. You got some beautiful pipes. Thanks, man. I used to sing a lot, too. So when I was younger, it was descant, super high. And then at one point, before I really studied singing at all, they they hired me for this cross Canada 
uh, choir tour, and they didn't even want me to sing many of the notes, just the super low ones. Really? Yeah. I I don't guess you want to bust out some tunes for us real quick. Not right now. Maybe (laughs) later. We'll think of something. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. We're we're stoked to talk to you, man. You've got a... uh, an amazing career in terms of the various voices that you've done. Just looking through your, you know, your IMDb page, your Wikipedia page, you see that you've voiced a lot of characters in a variety of different mediums. Uh, and, and I was curious, is there, is there a difference between voicing characters for film and TV versus voicing characters for, say, video games? There are huge differences in the main three things that I do. I've done feature film voices. Uh, television, live action, television, animation, I guess there's four things, and games. And they all have a very unique way of doing things. With The Flash, it's so collaborative. This is such a cool team where I'm not just sort of handed the script, say the words, and walk away. We're looking at every line, sometimes 10 or 15 takes of every line. And we do that the week that they shoot the show. And then come back later on when it's mostly animated. And we can see what we've got, see what works, see what doesn't. Um, sometimes changes have to be made. And it's all by myself uh, with Jeff Garrett, the, uh, the co-producer, who uh, is in charge of co-production for several shows, not just The Flash. Uh, he's a great director and a really nice guy, and, and we work great together. And sometimes we make some changes. Sometimes um, we decide together that things aren't, aren't quite working, and we, we change some things around. Um, there was one episode we did was the... Um, guerrilla warfare episode mm. and he, and grod was looking too sympathetic uh it would have made barry allen look like a an animal abuser so at the last minute very close to air we had to go in and make a lot of changes in that final scene where he gets sucked into the portal that's, that's interesting <laughs> you know when you think about that character arc you know they really did give grod very much almost kind of a tragic backstory uh, more so uh even really than what we've ever seen in the comics in terms of this you know warlord that gorilla grod is you know, historically been to have him be kind of this tragic character. I mean, even, even in season one, uh, before we even got Grodd talking, you had that scene where then Eobard Thawne, although we knew him as Harrison Wells, was was talking to him and, and kind of saw him behind the glass cage. And he was wanting to, it, at the time, it looked like take care of him. Although, I don't know, perhaps it was a little bit more of a malicious relationship even then. Well, yeah, I think he wanted to weaponize him. He, he called him father. Yeah. And later on, I mean, this is going to make for some great opportunities later on uh, if and when Grodd comes back, which I, I cannot officially confirm. <laughs> but if and when he comes back, um, I am only imagining uh, unofficially that his uh, intelligence may be increasing. And although everyone that he ever knew betrayed him, I think he's yeah. going to be pretty angry. But there's still that backstory with that relationship with Caitlin, that relationship mm-hmm. with Wells, mm-hmm. that could come up again in certain moments. Like, look what happened in the last episode he was in. You know, father never ask, father take. Who are you? Yeah, right. Smashes him across the room. Oh, right. So there's a lot of um, a lot of kind of uh, pent up feeling about all these people that he's dealing with. It's not just cold anger. That makes him way more interesting to play. I've kind of, diver- I kind of diverged from your question, but you know, since we're talking <laughs> about the flash, I, I fit that in, but yeah, I'll just go back to your question for a second. When I do video games, it's all by myself and t- sometimes just wild lines. They just give you like a bunch of crazy stuff or, well, they'll, they'll have you do uh, stuff that's in the game. They'll have you do uh, scenes, you know, with other people. But you're usually by yourself. And with animation, I, I do uh, Guardians of the Galaxy right now uh, oh, yeah, for Drax. Disney XD. And I, I'm Drax in there. And all of us are together so that there's chemistry. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So like, like the recording is all together? Like in a, yeah, like a, we're, we're all okay. together. I'm hoping at some point, if and when Grodd returns, 
I'll keep saying that if and when, <laughs> um, that I do eventually end up on the set. Cause if it is a really heavy grot episode, uh, I would certainly be open to being there and, you know, almost like an actor running lines. Cause right now I think it's been sort of publicized that there's a, um, performance capture artist, but that's not really how they do it. It's all animated in the computer. There is no reference. It's it's a very light reference. There's an actor on stage that's um, a stunt performer. Uh, varies. There's different people that do it, and they're there just so that the actor has an eye line, you know, and, and someone fairly athletic who can jump around a bit. But traditionally, that kind of animation would have been done on a performance capture stage. But for television, you know, I, I can't speak to their budget, but I know it's nothing like it would be for a video game. You know, a right. video game may have a twenty to thirty million dollar budget. You know, they aren't spending that per episode. Right, right. On a flash. <laughs> so um, the $150,000 a day performance capture stage is not really going to work. Yeah, you know, that that's interesting because I was going to ask you about, you know, in terms of what, what uh, you know, if you've had the chance to actually be present or, you know, if, if they ever wanted you to suit up in the in the green spandex suits that we see from time to time in terms well, of the Well, there is no green spandex suit. That's all on their computer, and I, I have been into their production offices to see them, uh, the designers, and uh, the work is is just brilliant. That uh, they're they're really doing a lot with very little. To even have a character like this appear on television is pretty groundbreaking. Oh, it's huge! I mean, this one also when they had uh, King Shark on there as well. I mean, I think uh, they've continued to just kind of push the line on what the expectations are. I mean, it's it is a cinematic experience every single week. And that was a Sharknado experience, I think. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Well, you know, you, you, you kind of touched on this in terms of kind of the, the completeness of the episodes when you get involved. You know, I'm curious, kind of pulling back to, to what you said before in terms of guerrilla warfare and uh, how y'all decided to, that it was kind of coming across as him being more sympathetic. How did you twist that up a little bit? How did you, how did you make him a bit more villainous? Uh, well, it's, it was really taking out a lot of the lines, you know, there were, there were lines in there that were basically saying, you know, you betrayed me. How could you do this? Mm. You know, um, I don't remember the exact lines anymore, but it was a lot more pleading and a lot more, um, just sort of dealing with the, uh, interpersonal stuff. And we had to take that away because he just did not seem cold enough. Obviously he's murdered people earlier in the episode. There was just a touch of it, you know, Caitlin always kind, you know, that I, I, I put in a lot of sadness. This was an idea that I had, mm. you know, it was there, but we, we collaborated on it because he was created from nothing. And this canon, he's a lab experiment, Yeah, but his intelligence yeah. is growing so quickly and he's like a kid as well. So think of all those different factors together. He doesn't know where he comes from. Everybody wants to know where they come from. Yeah. And he, and he abducts Caitlin to try to, you know, get her to replicate the experiment to make more gorillas like him just so, you know, he can have somebody that's kind of understands what he's going through, I would assume. Well, that's good that you say that, because most fans that I've talked to think that they just wanted to build an army. <laughs> no, he's yeah. lonely. That's what I, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I interpreted it was. That he's lonely. That's he what wants I wants more grods. I think we all want more grods, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do. So we, we've mentioned grod, and, and you mentioned Drax earlier. Uh, they're, they're, you voice so many characters. It's 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 insane just looking at all, uh, <laughs> all, all the it's, characters. It's the amount know. of years I've been doing this. It's been almost 25 years I've been doing this, so... There's time. There's yeah. time in there to accumulate a bit of a resume. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've been able to do this and, and have such variety. But something I've realized lately, too, I stopped – first, I stopped trying to play voices. I don't do voices anymore. I just do characters mm. so that I can really explore their inner life. And then I stopped worrying about whether or not they sounded the same because that that's little good. bit of characterization on the very top of it, just the voice, as they say, that's just the icing on the cake. The cake is how they – are inside, how they relate to each other, what their world is. 
And if you see an on-camera actor, you always know it's them. It's the same you know, star that you would see all the time. And they change the character. Their voice is pretty similar. So I don't worry about that because I'm, I'm not a voice actor. I'm an actor. That's good. That Standing ovation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have booked this part doing a voice. If I just played a gorilla, you know, he doesn't know he's a gorilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just what humans call him. He doesn't quite know what he is, right? <laughs> no, he just is. <laughs> I, I was going to ask. So, uh, you know, you have all these characters under your belt. Of all the ones that you voiced, do you have a favorite? I mean, is that kind of like picking your favorite child or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I have to say I love all my children equally. But, I mean, there's definitely <laughs> – more interesting parts than others. I like the delicious villains, the ones that are smart mm-hmm. and are um, delving into things and not just bluster. Most yeah. of the characters I play now luckily have some depth to them. Uh, there right. was a time in video games where it was just scream and die, right? <laughs> right. So I do have a lot of those. <laughs> do you have a canned Wilhelm at the ready? Well, I wish I did. It would be awesome if you could do what's called Walla and you could do a Walla library of your biggest uh, vocalizations, your screams, your punches, and just use them on every show. It would be awesome, but you can't do that. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the shows that you did back in the day was was a, uh, a defining show in, in my childhood, which was Beast Wars, uh, uh, when you portrayed the character of uh, Death Charge, which yeah. to me, I always saw him as kind of like a cross between Wolverine and Batman. And, uh, you know, I know it's like way off topic, but I'm such a Beast Wars fan. I have to ask you about that a little bit. Uh, do, you, do you recall well, anything uh, from that character? He's an antihero and he was layered together in a 45 minute audition. Really? Uh, and they wanted a lot of Clint Eastwood in there. <laughs> so awesome. at the core is Clint Eastwood. Totally comes That's through. Neat. That is so cool. So you said that your yeah, favorite so kind of it. characters are the, the delicious villains. Um, yeah. Expand upon that a little bit. Well, you know, like, um, when I did dark side mm. years ago, um, that is what a delicious villain is when he has a lot of intelligence and lots of different various ways to cause evil. And he loves being evil. It's almost, um, an arousal point for him, <laughs> but every, ever notice that villains are pretty much asexual in this, the, the, they're in love with the evil. Right. Right. More than yeah. anything. And it's always fun because they almost never die. Cause you have to have them back. Some they get defeated. They almost win. And like two seconds before the end or two minutes before the end of the episode, they lose. And like, Oh, I'll be back again. <laughs> yeah, but they're never. Yeah, you're right though. They're never killed. They're all. They always come back because I mean, you got to have that that strong villain, right? It's super important. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of uh, you know you voice character for video games as well. And and I, I when I was looking through uh, some of the stuff that you've done, uh, I saw that you ha- used the you were the voice for the Duros skin for Star Wars Battlefront, which yes, it, <laughs> I, I have I love that skin. Like I love the Duros alien. I thought and and like so that, that's the skin I use almost always. And I saw that you voiced the character, and I thought that was super neat. And I wanted to know if, if you've uh, – when you do you play any of the games that you voice these characters for? And is it kind of weird just to hear yourself on screen? Uh, I always see myself uh, – the video game performances, I only ever see the YouTube videos of them. Nice. I, uh, okay. I never got into <laughs> playing video games. And it's quite embarrassing when I'm doing press and they stick me in front of a, you know, with a controller. It's like, I don't even know how to use the controller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but I try to see everything that I do, but it's usually on, on YouTube. That's awesome. So, all right. So not a video game fan, but what about comics, man? I mean, obviously you've played so many great uh, and, and at this point, iconic comic book characters. But uh, did, were you a fan growing up? Not really. Um, I, it's funny whenever I thought about doing voice acting, it was just promos, which I almost never do. Just like station identification promos. I kind of fell into voice acting cause I was doing stage acting. I was doing singing and somebody, an agent saw me and said, come do villains. 
you'd be good at that. Mm. So this whole world is something that I've kind of begun, begun to really immerse myself in as you know, an adult and in my late adulthood here. And now I'm getting to know all of these different characters in the Marvel and DC universe as I perform them. I kind of, I kind of hit a wall about five years ago where I kept saying, I'm never going to look back. I'm not going to find out what other people did with these characters. I'm not going to read the comic books. I have to have a fresh interpretation, but I didn't know enough about the characters. Mm. Yeah, I was starting to lose out parts or to not feel that I was giving my best performance because I didn't know enough. So now I'm starting to do a little more research than I did before, but not much, not much because every canon is different. Yeah, right. there, there's so many ways of interpreting these stories, and even when I started with Guardians of the Galaxy, I went back to sort of research Drax. Like, nope, that's not what we're doing. Nope, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> so it didn't really apply, and I didn't want to get anything in my head that didn't match what we were doing. Yeah, that's and the same with Grodd. There's so many performances of Grodd. Well, and that's the thing you've already kind of mentioned about just how this interpretation of Grodd is so incredibly different from anything that's come before. And, you know, there, there, you know, obviously there are kind of themes I, I often talk about whenever characters are reimagined on screen or, or, you know, be it an animated version or a movie or a television show, you know, there, there's a, there's a spiritual connection. Like as long as the character has kind of that, uh, that they share kind of a similar soul, then you can do a lot of different interpretations. And one of the things the flash has been so good at is with these characters, making them kind of spiritually connected with the source material, but done so in such a different way. All my characters have a core humanity to them. Mm -hmm. uh, I play a lot of creatures and a lot of um, animals or different, different things that they're not human, you know, aliens, but none of them are played as creatures or aliens. Uh, I did the show called Kaijudo that no one saw. It was on the hub, which you probably have never heard of. It was <laughs> I have heard of Kaijudo. I have actually heard of Kaijudo. <laughs> oh, you have? Um, yeah. That particular show was on this network that only existed for four years. It was owned by Hasbro. We did this, I had this huge creature part. But if I played him as a creature, I never would have been cast. So getting back to that again. Well, all right. So let me ask you this, because obviously, you know, Unique, uh, unique takes on the characters. There's a kind of a human element there, of course. Were you given any kind of source material to kind of pull from for this grad? The very first thing that was said to me was, we want an Andy Circus level performance. Nice. That's all that was said to me. Yeah, like because I, you know, with with uh, you know, because this character, it's not a motion cap character per se. Like you were mentioning earlier, it's all done on the computer. Uh, right. I, I was kind of curious if if you know Andy Circus, uh, if that's sort of the the de facto like you know standard i guess or the bar that people oh, well he's the he's the star for, of uh, performance capture and playing creatures mm -hmm. you know uh, on on film but for me the main thing was don't play a gorilla and don't play a creature they actually any of the creature sounds you hear on the show are done um separately from actual animals hmm. oftentimes played backwards really yeah i don't do any of the vocalizations it's all i only do the dialogue well, so I just, just, you know, we touched on it a little bit uh, about how, you know, you add, uh, you know, a, a human element to these characters. Uh, and, and Grodd is just this just excellent voice. And uh, did you have a process? So, you know, you, you mentioned you had a little bit of a, you don't really go into the, to the previous uh, uh, performances of this character. But what mindset, I guess, what did you go through when you were developing the Grodd character? Uh, what, what kind of inspirations and whatnot did you have? Really, the way I work is is ridiculously simple, so simple that most people think it's silly or are afraid to work <laughs> this way. But I just stay in the moment. I look at the scene, play the emotions, uh, play the relationships, and I just stay. I try to get into a mode where 
I don't know what's going to come next. I sure I read the script, but I only read it once. Ah, okay. And then I jump in and try to be live as if he's there in the room and try to like hear the other characters talking to me. Um, and in this case, the way we do it, we have so many options. They just want lots of options. So as I said, we will do 15 or 20 takes a line, 10, 15, 20 takes a line to give them the maximum variety. Mm-hmm. So they can, in a sense, I would say the very first episode I did, which only had a few lines in it, but it's almost like the producers created the character out of what I did because I gave them so many options. They could have moved it any direction they mm-hmm. wanted. And I had to take their initial choices and use that as a jumping off point. To um, digress a bit, but it kind of relates to this discussion, I worked on Star Trek Into Darkness. And okay. uh, you'll see me as additional voices, but what I actually did were all the Klingons on the planet. Oh, right on. Interesting. Uh, Fred Tatashore and I did all the Klingon voices except the main guy. And we were told a story by the uh, fellow who invented the Klingon language. The actual inventor of the beginning of the language was the fellow that played Scotty. Really? James. James. What was his last name? James... Oh, man. Uh, Noonan. I'm so sorry to not know his name, but he played the original Scotty on the uh, Star Trek series, and he was in the early Star Trek uh, movies. And the Klingons had always spoken English. And then one day they wanted to have them speak their own language. And no one had thought of this before they showed up on set. (laughs) So he wrote down a few lines and handed it to the actor. And then when they really got into it, uh, the fellow, uh, Mr. Okren is his name, he had to take those few sentences and develop an entire language out of them. And that's kind of how I did Grodd, because the first episode, I gave them all those choices, they decided what they wanted, and it was a jumping off point, and I took hints from what they chose. Interesting. And the hints were yeah, the hints were sadness. You know, I, that was a hallmark of what I did with Grodd, too. Yeah. You know, just this loneliness, the sadness, and I think, it, uh, I think it reads. But this anger that comes out of frustration, more than anything, not knowing who he is. There's a backstory I kind of created for myself that may have nothing to do with the character. <laughs> well, and I was actually just about to ask you a little bit about that. I mean, you know, from from your experience playing villains, I mean, do you find that the, the best villains come with a tragic backstory? Are they better when they're just out to conquer the world? Uh, you know, are they- Well, I think if you look at human nature and human psychology, the only reason they're out to conquer the world is because somebody was horrible to them when they were kids. Right, right, right. They're just gotcha. trying to uh, get their, and, their, what is it, their uh, macaroni picture up on mom's fridge, refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think the, uh, it all comes from whatever happens to you when you're, you're younger. And I think uh, something, you know, and you go back in comic book history too, and usually there's something that sparks all these people. I just make up my own. All right. So, you know, obviously, you know, we, we, we can't get from you whether or not he's coming back. I know, you know, one way or the other, we, we, it's safe to say we, we would love for, for Grodd to come back. They left with a pretty huge cliffhanger, <laughs> all yeah. things considered. Well, it's going to take them a little while to clean up the mess that they made in the last few seconds of the episode. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad mess either. It's not an a- interesting mess. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. There, there's some there's some cleaning up to do. You know, they're in a whole new world now. Quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. It's um so that well, even that opens up potential opportunities as well, right? I mean Wells with, exists again. Wells exists. Yeah. That means that Grodd technically is not on Earth too in this timeline. He could be still kicking around. Maybe. He could be in the basement <laughs> of Star Labs still. I mean, who knows? We'll have to see when he well, I don't <laughs> think there is at least in the promos they haven't teased any Star Labs. That's true. No, but yeah. But yeah. if you do, I mean, that's a good point, right? So if in this flashpoint, we have every reason to believe based on the previews, 
uh, that, you know, that Eobard never actually did the face-off thing with Harrison Wells, which means that, quote-unquote, good Harrison Wells, or, or the non-Eobard Harrison Wells, would be the one taking care of Grodd. We could see a heroic Grodd, theoretically. That would be interesting. Well, of course, you know, guerrilla warfare existed after, wasn't that after Wells ceased to exist? Uh, yeah, but see, that's the whole thing. Now it's a little bit wonky as to whether or not, you know, how much did that impact the timeline? They seem to kind of be kind of skirting it along so that Wells didn't exist, but he did still exist for the purpose of not existing. Yeah. Time um, travel. <laughs> that, that's yeah. stuff I leave to the writers, but they'll, they'll just come to me and they'll say, you know, he's heroic now. He's angry now. He, they'll, they'll just give me a base emotion and I'll just go with it. It's all, all my work is based on emotion. Yeah. Well, so I'm kind of curious because one of the things that we've seen from a lot of different characters of the, in the Flash series, uh, both the regulars and those that have kind of come back, is the ability to play different takes on the character. You know, we've had doppelgangers. We've had alternate timelines. We're about to get a major alternate timeline. You know, would you like to see, you know, would you like the opportunity to play maybe either a different Grodd or Grodd in a different light? Actors have to be people that say yes. That's uh, and that's an old improv game. You never say no. Mm-hmm. So they give me. Yes, and. They give me Grodd that, I don't know, runs a coffee store, and I'll make him Grodd that runs a coffee store. Oh, that needs to be in Flashpoint. <laughs> yeah, the, the CC jitters. It's, it's uh, you know, Grodd. He's uh, behind the counter. <laughs> Grodd well, the I'll barista Grodd. One, I'll give you one yeah. spoiler. Yeah, please do. That, without giving you anything specific, you will hear in the next year. I have played other grods. Really? But I can't tell you any more than that. Fair enough. Fair enough. You will find out in the world, somewhere in entertainment land, on the planet, it won't necessarily be in the United States, but it might be, there are two other grods that I play that are not the grod on the show. That is the biggest non-tease I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's great. Every time I see him, he's in a different canon. We'll definitely be keeping our ear to the ground and uh, and pointing back at you when it happens. So, you know, one of the things that we love to do whenever we've got a guest on the show, uh, we we always ask this question. And Bell, I'll, I'll let you ask the question because I know what you're thinking. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite questions just to ask people because it, it, it lets you kind of glean uh, information about the person without really doing anything at all. And, it, and, and the question is this. If you could choose one superpower, what would it be and why? It is like on the Bewitched TV show where you could snap your fingers and end up anywhere in the world. Mm, ah, it's like teleportation. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So Why? Cool. Because Why I could go to Paris for lunch, man. <laughs> that's that's a and good reason. still make yeah. my two o'clock session back home would be dinner then. But yeah, you just, oh. the ability to pop in and out and go anywhere in the world would be great. Yeah. I've been traveling a lot lately and it's been driving me crazy. I, you know, I can imagine with, you know, doing uh, a lot of remote characters that you're able to kind of to some extent, be able to work remotely, but I would also imagine from time to time they need you actually to fly out on set or to be with the cast. Well, uh, haven't they haven't had me with the cast yet, but on other shows, human nature kicks in. They want to see you. They yeah. want to know you're showing up at 10 o'clock and you're there with uh, all the creatives there that can uh, give their input. So you're not just uh, a voice in their ears. You know, It humanizes it. And when you're doing animation, you got to have everybody there if you can just works out better very good for the table reads and things like that or but i gotta say jesse martin and daniel panabaker Mm. the big scene i had in in the um that grod had in the sewer and then the one in the tower talk about suspending your disbelief those actors are brilliant they could make it believable i was very excited to see what happened at the end because we all came together 
and tried to make it seem real. And they did an amazing job with, with not a lot there. Yeah, it's worked fantastic. And even, you know, just kind of learning a little bit more about the facts, you know, obviously without having somebody there motion capture, really having to engage the imagination as, as actors to really kind of, to, to, to will it to be there essentially uh, and sell the audience. And I think all of us definitely sold. I mean, uh, Grodd has become uh, one of probably the biggest achievements, I think, of the entire series in terms of really uh, selling a big story, making these big concepts feel real. That could have been so silly, so easy. Absolutely. I know. It's, it, it, it's astounding to me that you can take, uh, you know, eight, nine foot tall telepathic gorilla and make it serious and make it excellent. And it's it's just astonishing to me. It just shows what excellent talent is behind these characters, this, you know, the, 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 the team. Uh, it's, it's just incredible. And it speaks to the love that everybody in this, in this uh, show has for the show. Um, people want it to be great. They don't just want it to be good. They don't just show up to work and do their jobs. This is a huge team effort. And we all made Grodd work, not just me, not just the animators, everybody, all Absolutely. the other actors too. Well, from episode one, the pilot, I mean, they, they with, with even just having Grodd right there on the cage, written on the cage, they were writing a big check. And, uh, you know, with, with your involvement, with the whole team's involvement, they definitely, y'all have cashed it in and, and cashed out big. So we appreciate the work they've done. Thank you. And hopefully we, we uh, if and when, uh, we will continue and make him um, just as exciting as he's been in the past. Sounds good. Well, you know, before we uh, bid you uh, officially adieu, I did want to make mention of one thing. You know, uh, we've, we've mentioned it already, but, you know, we're big fans of Grodd here. We had a running gag in season one about uh, <laughs> Bell actually portraying Gorilla Grodd. Now, not the voice of Gorilla Grodd, but specifically just a hairy guy on set and that he yeah. would actually be Gorilla Grodd. Uh, well, I'm, I'm pretty hairy. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> Take off my shirt. Yeah. There you go. Well, the thing is, we actually, we had our listeners chip in. They actually brought, they bought Bell a gorilla suit. So if you look for the hashtag ring that grod, you'll actually be able to see uh, Bell, his, of course, Twitter handle ring that bell uh, running around. So look for the hashtag ring that grod. Oh, I'll look for, for that. That's funny. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well, great. Well, David, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, for this episode of Flash TV Talk. We really appreciate the work that you've done and, and we look forward to continuing watching your career both on The Flash and, uh, and beyond. Thank you so much. This is David Sobolov, the voice of Gorilla Grodd on The Flash, and you're listening to Flash TV Talk. I am Grodd. Man, what an awesome interview. That was fun. That was fun. I continue to be blown away anytime that we have the uh, the honor to be able to sit down on mic and, and talk a little bit with some of the folks behind uh, this characters and the series. It's always, I'm just, man, I'm so encouraged. You know, we, we've talked about it several times on the show. It's clear that this property, this franchise is in the right hands from uh, the showrunners to the, uh, the people making all the special effects to, of course, the actors that are creating these characters and bringing them to life. I am so ready for Flash season three and hopefully the return of Gorilla Grodd. I mean, I know he didn't say anything. I'm not trying to pull anything out of that, but I kind of feel like maybe, you know. Oh, he's got to come back. And, and you know, you know, David, he said it. He said it himself the best. It's everybody who works on this show doesn't come in just to do a job. They, they do it because they want it to be successful. Right. And and it's and it's wonderful. And, 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 and it shows it really does. Like, how else do you put an eight foot tall telepathic gorilla on screen and make it not <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. It, and it's wonderful. Just the, the work that David's put into this character uh, of just, you know, humanizing a telepathic gorilla and, and, and making it a serious, you know, dramatic scene with, with this character is just, it's, it's amazing. And, and, it, and it just goes to just reflect 
the talent and the love that all everybody involved in the show is just putting yeah, into it on a daily absolutely. basis. Absolutely, man. Great stuff. Look, before we sign out tonight, got to tell you about one thing, give you a little bit of a scoop right here and now. Uh, for those of you who are fans of the Brogues webcomic, I am proud to say it's coming back, baby. Volume two. It's going to be big. It's going to happen very, very soon within the coming weeks. So head over to thebrogues.com. Make sure you're checking it out every single week as we lead up to volume two of The Brogues. All I can say, uh, you know what? Let me me put it this way. We're coming back. We got a storyline called Pokemon Bro. Appropriate. Right after that, just following that. Bell, are you ready for this? Oh, I'm so ready. Fast point. Yup. Yep. All right. Yep, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming, baby. So check it out. Thebrogues.com. It's going to be a lot of fun. In the meantime, y'all can also keep up with the show. If you're not subscribed to us already, you can subscribe to us on the Satchel Podcast Player or any major podcast player out there. Uh, you can also find direct links to the show, flashtvtalk.com. Follow us on Twitter at flashtvtalk. Oh, sorry. I was reading the scripts for the Brogue because they're so good. It distracted me. Uh, <laughs> but if 140 characters is enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podestery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com. Guys, we've got the Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at the Real Bo York at Ring That Bell. Hashtag Ring That Bell, by the way, for those pictures of Bell wearing a gorilla costume. Still got to check that out. And until next time, guys, we are only a few more weeks away. So when I say it, I mean it. We'll be back in a flash.